This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. It's Ashley Hales. I'm host of the Finding Holy podcast and author of the book Finding Holy in the Suburbs, Living Faithfully in the Land of Too Much. I am thrilled for this special series through the month of November, where I'm going to sit down with some of my friends, Brandon O'Brien, Danae Pierre, and Jose Humphreys, to talk about the theme of place. And whether you live in the suburbs, whether you live in Manhattan or rural America or small town, We want to actually consider how do our places shape our desires? How do the laws and the history and even our winding walking paths shape how we relate to God, each other, and the world around us? I hope you've had a chance to listen in to the fabulous conversations, both with Brandon J. O'Brien and Danae Pierre, and this week is no exception as Brandon and I chat with Jose Humphreys. Here's a little bit more about him. Jose is a facilitator and pastor of Metro Hope Covenant Church, a multi-ethnic and multicultural church in East Harlem, New York City. He's also a social worker, consultant, and author. Jose is involved in shalom making in New York City through facilitating conversation, contemplation, and action across social, economic, cultural, and theological boundaries. I hope you'll stick around because I'm going to give you one small step to begin to take this conversation with Jose and Brandon into your everyday, ordinary, holy life. Here's my conversation with Brandon and Jose. All right. It's so exciting that we continue this series on place with Brandon O'Brien. And also we have today with us Jose Humphreys, also who's in New York City. But we're so glad you guys are here. Welcome. Good morning. Great Good to be morning. Here. Yeah. Well, Jose also has a book with IVP, and it's also on place, um, seeing Jesus in East Harlem. And I'd love if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about that book and how it came to be. Sure. And it really was just a, a, a labor of love um, based on um, our church plant story of having planted a church back in two thousand eight. Um, a church that basically started as uh, a conversation that extended itself uh, into becoming a, a church plant. And seeing that reality just unfold was, was amazing. And uh, so back in giving you the, uh, the skinny, the shorter version of things, um, in 2015-ish, I was approached by uh, Helen Lee at IVP, uh, who most folks are very familiar with. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, Helen uh, mentioned how uh, she had heard our story somewhere. It was compelling, fascinating. Would you be willing to write a book about it? And I said, oh, wow. Oh, awesome. <laughs> this is amazing. It doesn't happen every day, as we know. Yeah. Um, and then I, I put a proposal together and... Um, found out that I had uh, more than enough than I wanted to say about this. So, uh, you know, the rest was history. Uh, the book, uh, I guess, you know, if, if you wanted to just put it in a nutshell, it uh, focuses on how uh, personal salvation, uh, prophetic witness, and place uh, mm-hmm. come together um, mm-hmm. to form a story of what church can be actually and 
and also aspirationally. Mm. Can you work us through that, those three aspects? I think that's really fascinating. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, so the book itself uh, doesn't necessarily use those, uh, I guess, those uh, titles, if you will, captions, but the, the, the captions that I use uh, show up, uh, stay put, and see. Mm. Mm. And uh, we all uh, show up with a particular salvation story, a gospel story. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was having a discussion with some folks the other day about this, that some of us were uh, uh, formed, discipled in, in a very hyper-personalized gospel, yeah. or um, on the opposite side of the, the pendulum, a very uh, publicly engaged gospel that you know, really doesn't talk about who I need to be. And, mm. And so how, how do you bring those things together? And, and the church kind of, or the book, I would say, uh, speaks about that uh, seamless integration through my own story and, mm. and how in, in some ways it, it is uh, still integrating itself. Uh, stay put. Um, you know, as Christians, of course, we, and, and you know this very well, uh, having written your own book uh, about this as well, um, you know, how do we... Uh, live mindfully in the places that uh, God has called us to be in, whether, wherever that is, right? From mm-hmm. you know, Harlem to, to Appalachia, yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, to, to the suburbs, to the rural areas, to mm-hmm. town, village, and country. And, and what does that look like um, when we've received uh, that invitation by Christ? Uh, and then lastly, C, uh, as a res- which is, you know, what, what, re- what revelation did you receive? Uh, mm-hmm. how, how did God... Uh, lift up the veil in a way for you to see things differently as a result of showing up and, and also staying put. Mm. And, and so that's kind of the, I, I guess, the quick and dirty, and, and we can maybe hone in on that. That's great. Things. And hopefully, I think we're going to get IVP to give some copies of your book away to some listeners. So we'll <laughs> nice. give you more details later. <laughs> All right. This podcast is the gift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's a lot to talk about in what you just said, Jose. And I think um, one of the, uh, there are a lot of themes in in your book that I love. And um, uh, just for listeners sake to have some context here, when I moved, I moved to Manhattan about two years ago. And when I first got here, I started asking the staff at City to City and other church planners and uh, folks in the area, who do I need, who do I need to know? Mm and what's going on here. And uh, Jose's name came up over and over and over again. And so uh, we had lunch uh, under the tracks at a little Mofungo place. Uh, Actually, they (laughs) promised us little Mofungo and gave us giant Mofungo, I think. Um, No such thing as little Mofungo. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Um, So uh, the anyway, we had a nice long conversation. I could have talked all day long. Um, Mm. And so I've been learning from Jose for the last couple of years. And um, his book, I'm really grateful, is out there. Um, So I, I keep referring back to it. Um, and one of the themes that I find really meaningful is um, the th- uh, theme of disorientation. Um, and I think that it's, uh, I, th- I think that that is a feeling that we actively resist, <laughs> feeling of disorientation. But I, I wonder if you could tell us um, why is that an important experience why is being disoriented an, ex- an important experience for us, uh, regardless of where we do ministry or live our lives as Christians? Uh, and I remember that conversation, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, we could have gone on for hours, and I was really, really grateful for our time together. Uh, 
I guess if we were to put this disorientation against the context, it would be discipleship. Mm-hmm. That um, our, our church formation, as our formation as uh, you know evangelicals, or whether you still identify as an evangelical, <laughs> <laughs> um, has not factored in um, disorientation um, in in serious ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think yeah, the theology that we've inherited. Very much about Sunday and resurrection, um, and uh, we often and I talk to people who who gloss over Good Friday in a sense, you know, both actually and metaphorically, right? When we think about the the resources and of our faith and and you know atonement and all those things, and you won't really receive the full impact of of that that celebration service on Sunday if you don't go with us through the rhythms of mm-hmm. of Lent and. And, and also Good Friday. And, and part of it, I think, is just a human thing. We're, we're averse to, to pain, to, to suffering. You know, who, who wants to be disoriented? Right. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's not something that we go seeking, uh, hopefully. And, um, but we also realize that when, when God invites us into uh, callings, different assignments, every day, it doesn't have to be anything major. But there are moments of disorientation, whether it's having that difficult conversation about race with a with a friend, with a boss, or uh, whether you're you're being invited uh, into a space as a white person where you begin to feel your your privilege. That's a disorienting mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that as a man, I, in whatever ways. Uh, mm-hmm. And and I think part of it is uh, how do we use that as as kind of the grist for the mill and for conversation mm-hmm. to say, hey, these are real opportunities for growth mm-hmm. and if we allow ourselves to feel disoriented god could really show up in those spaces mm-hmm. and so there's a way it sounds like you know that place can disorient us um you know that can bring us out of you know can begin this kind of internal journey right of who am i how have i been formed you know how what are the the things that have shaped and formed me you know either towards the gospel or away from the gospel so how has your place kind of shaped you and kind of led you on this maybe internal that turns out to be external journey? Uh, uh, well, I'm in East Harlem, uh, you know, population, what, 110,000, uh, mm-hmm. median income of 36,000, historically uh, an immigrant neighborhood, uh, as, as opposed to uh, greater Harlem, just to give you a little bit of the, you know, the sense yep. of, of what this place uh, might look like. And, um, you know, so I guess one disorienting thing uh, let's go with the low-hanging fruit, and yep. Brandon knows about this as well, mm-hmm. is you know, how just the neighborhood has uh, shifted dramatically because of gentrification, mm-hmm. where uh, a two-bedroom apartment is now about $3,000. Mm-hmm. And, and I mentioned the median income, right? Right, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um, the, the, that's disorienting for me as a pastor, because yeah. uh, uh, you know, I've had quite a few people cycle through our community, for example, yeah. or, or people who are still with us who no longer can afford the rent, unless they're um, in a roommate situation and, you know, the Redeemer folks, the other churches know as well that you could have like five singles in a room (laughs) or in an apartment, I should (laughs) say, or maybe in a room, who knows? (laughs) (laughs) And and that's that's just a really disorienting Mm. um, uh, way to live because what it does is it it communicates a a sense of impermanence in a sense uh, in this place, a sense of, like this isn't really my home. This is just a place where I, you know, maybe I'm coming. Uh, I'm just going to cut my teeth for a while, get my mm. career in order, then eventually move out. So, um, 
you know, for years now, living in, in, in Harlem, uh, East Harlem specifically for about 19 years, you know, that, I, don't, I know it's not a, a code to crack, uh, but I would say that I've spent a lot of time just discerning what, what uh, a sense of, of staying put could look like for people and how do I communicate that. In other mm. words, in a nutshell, um, if such a thing exists for this conversation, <laughs> right? Um, you know, what would God have me do and what would God invite me to uh, while I'm here? And, and I think that that question in many ways is not Pollyannish because it, it, you know, there are forces at work, cultural forces, economic forces, political forces that we can't control right. uh, as pastors, church planters. And guess what? These things were here before we got here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, the questions, uh, of course, are, are a lot more sobering <laughs> and less, less triumphalistic, as we mentioned about yeah. Friday. Right. And, and, and I'm, it, it, it if anything, what it does in my own formation, it allows me to be really grounded in the present and what God is doing right now. Mm. Mm. So that's how place kind of shapes me and disorients me. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend just, uh, I was reminded of this just yesterday. A friend told me that one of the things that he tells himself again and again uh, in, in this unique context of life in New York City, for example, is that Jesus uh, is at work here and now um, and not there and then meaning Mm. wherever there Mm. and then is for you pastor present or pastor future or someplace else obviously Mm. we know historically jesus was at work in the past but the point being i am there's only it's only possible to be faithful where i am right now i can't be faithful later i can't be faithful (laughs) yesterday you know um or in theory or in theory (laughs) that's right um i i think that's a hard lesson but i think that's a helpful mantra to to mm. remind yourself of jose what you just said that the it, it, the constant change and those major forces really press you to say what's in my hand today um and what's in front of me today and that's a kind of the best we can do um yeah, yeah. And, and it is in many ways the less uh the road less traveled uh you know i guess maybe one of the reasons that you know, you're the second person I, I heard mention like, hey, you, you, you may have to see Jose. And, and you know, I wonder about that. I was like, it's just maybe because he's failed a lot. And it's just an <laughs> example of, of what not to do. You know, yeah. you're going to need some of that, <laughs> that wisdom. Uh, but when I, when I think about my small church, you know, it, it is God's experiment and people staying together. Mm. And that's the way that I like to look at it. Mm. You know, uh, it, you know, I've become less future oriented. I come to the board about just about every year and, and you know, in, my, in both fear and courage saying, am I the one, you know, or mm-hmm. should I continue doing this? Um, and and it, it might be kind of a, you know, New York cynical outlook, but uh, I think there's also an element of faith in that, you know, mm-hmm. just to say, uh, you know, I, every every church, and people don't want to talk about this either, Brandon, or, uh, you know, every church has, has a life cycle. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, you know, what, what what if our church was meant to uh, to be here for ten years, and and right. we, we planted some great flowers, and mm-hmm. and you know, we we cultivated some ground, or you know, who knows? Maybe God will have us around for twenty years or or two hundred years beyond yeah. our, our tenure here on earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, if anything, Brandon, I think it, to your point, it, it it is really just uh, like living by faith mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. by sight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah, um, 
So I'm going to just keep jumping in here because I really like talking with Jose. It's so, wonderful. I'm just, eating, I'm just drinking it all up. It's so good. Uh, another theme uh, that you talk about in the book that uh, I think struck me with a lot of force the first time we talked, and so I was grateful to come back to this, is uh, there's a lot of conversation in church planning conversations, but beyond that, even just general Christian literature, blogs, you know, et cetera, about incarnational ministry, like incarnating, you know, being where you live mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And um, the emphasis tends to fall on like how much good you can do if you just, you know, really live where you are. But we don't talk a lot about the sort of baggage we bring with us into that incarnation, right? Like we <laughs> kind of come blank to this this place that has a history and a heritage and whatever. Um, and you, you talk very helpfully, I think in the book and, uh, and in person about just becoming aware of what you bring into the place that you're trying to, you know, serve in. Mm. And, um, so I, I wonder if you could help us by even just maybe diagnostic. Could, could you tell us how we can become more aware of what we carry with us, uh, when into, a place where we're trying to, to be a faithful presence, um, you know, yeah. whether that's work or a neighborhood or whatever that is. Wow. Where to start with that one? Uh, maybe <laughs> How do you become uh, self-aware? That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. This will be <laughs> Ashley's first six hour podcast. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know we're, we're kind of, you know, joking, uh, but of course it rings so true, right? Becoming self-aware. Um, had a pastor talk about someone who just moved in. Um, he was a white man, uh, moved into Brooklyn. I don't know if he was Christian per se, but one of the things that he did tell that pastor was, you know, I realized I'm moving into a community, uh, a neighborhood where there was a history before me. And, you know, I'm wondering, uh, yeah, how I could begin to just like really just honor this place. And, for me, that was just a, a wonderful uh, question. And, you know, just even take, take that question outside of, you know, the, the church industrial complex, mm-hmm. church planning, just anything that, you know, we've all been kind of shaped and formed in. And, and for someone to even ask that question. And, and when I had mentioned to that pastor, it was like, you know, take heed to that question because most folks are not asking that question. Mm. Uh, they're moving into Brooklyn, uh, which is becoming the, you know, kind of the new, Oregon, a small town, you know, just, it, uh, hey, it's up and coming. Uh, you know, what are my, pro- my property values going to look like? Uh, you know, how, how can we basically duplicate what's in certain places over here? And, and that, I, you know, I, I don't judge that in the ways that I think I used to. Um, but I think that the questions that we ask ourselves uh, uh, are just very important when we're moving into place. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, doing a... a, a an analysis to your uh, point, uh, discerning uh, what it is that I'm being invited here to, you know, and and I think asking better questions. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe instead of like, what are my property values going to look like? <laughs> uh, how, how is this uh, the new, you know, best sexy thing, Park Slope, whatever it is? You know, how, how what were, what did this neighborhood look like in the past? Uh, what, what are some of the, uh, things happening in the root system underneath, unbeknownst to me, that uh, holds this this place up, right? Because there is a, a root system, right? There's mm-hmm. a political root system. 
a cultural root system. There's a, a history of, of colonization, colonization root system. I mean, you can go on and on. And, and so I think part of it is, how is it as, as, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we can faithfully live in, in spaces and places? Once again, city, town, country, mm -hmm. uh, knowing, asking those questions, uh, suburbs, right? And, and live, live with a different type of mindfulness. I, I'm, I'm actually at a different place, Brandon. It's interesting. I, I'm, whether people are commuting, whether people are, are actually a block away from church, what, wherever it is, whatever your station, right? Considering economic limitations. Right. Uh, what questions are you asking and how are you present to the place and to the moment right here, right now? What, God, what is God inviting you to? Hmm. For local business. Uh, take somebody out for lunch who might be uh, uh, you know, uh, asking for a dollar on the street, you know? Uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's so many ways that, you know, this is not community service, right? Mm. We're, we're asking deeper questions about uh, participating with uh, God's presence and, and work uh, in the world. And, mm. and that's, that's just a different way of being. It's also very contemplative, very slow, mm -hmm. uh, very unsexy and uncool in many ways. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I, I'll, I'll stay with that because I, I can keep <laughs> on going and going and going. But that's one, one, one conversation that came to mind that has mm. all these kinds of branches that are connected to it. How do you slow down? I mean, you guys are, you know, you're in different parts of, you know, New York City, obviously, you know, East Harlem is very different than Manhattan and Brooklyn. And, you know, it's like a little world into itself. But I assume, you know, even with the gentrification that there's this sense in which you have to, you have to keep going, right? You have to keep achieving, you know, people who are getting pushed out if, you know, if they're unable to afford it, then, you know, they're scrambling. Um, and mm -hmm. obviously we've talked about unjust systems and that have, you know, kind of led to that. But um, the the mindset must be you got to keep going. You got to keep working hard. You've got to keep achieving, you know, from the bottom to the top on the socioeconomic scale. So how do you, how do you as a pastor, Jose, help people slow down enough to be attentive to those subtle movements of the Holy Spirit directing them mm. towards other people and towards our place? That's good. I, I think one of the first places I, I started with, with uh, was uh, Sunday service. And when we talk about what Sunday service is, we say this, this is an opportunity for us to collectively slow down mm -hmm. and, and keep the Sabbath holy. Mm. In other words, this Sunday rhythm is a different rhythm than uh, the Monday through Saturday rhythm. Uh, you know, we, yeah, we might do this in an hour and a half, but we're also um, recognizing that it's a different uh, space. In other words, it's holy. It's, it's been set mm -hmm. apart, right? Uh, so it looks different, set apart for Christ. So after service, maybe we're going to uh, do a cash mob together and, and support a local business. So this means... Uh, instead of spending one and a half hours in church, you're actually spending three to four hours in church. Half your day right. has been spent with the, with the church community. Now, hmm. you know, for someone who grew up Pentecostal, this meant something different. But I know what a, a long Sunday looks like, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was all in the service. You know, <laughs> yeah. Hours, the uh, but what we're saying is, uh, yeah, let's worship together, let's sing, let's uh, do communion both inside and outside the church when, hmm. uh, at the, the, where the table becomes... Uh, public. Uh, so mm. the Sunday gathering, I think, is a really good place uh, mm -hmm. for how we communicate these things. Even just to add to that, 
if um if you come into church, let's say thirty four times a year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, typical Manhattan person or New York City person, or I think this is a, probably a nationwide stat, right? People yeah. coming twice a yes, week. Yes, I month. can verify that for okay. suburban <laughs> life on the other side of the country. Yes. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so even if I'm seeing someone, let's say I'm seeing you uh, actually thirty four times. Um, a year, I'm probably seeing you more than I see more of my, most of my relatives. Break it down, you know, cause we put this high standard on community and in, in, in the world. And sometimes we, we vacillate and place a very low one because we mm-hmm. have no agreements and no commitments. I'm wondering what that, that sweet spot is in terms of, you know, communicating this like, Hey, you know, you showing up on Sunday is important. Mm-hmm. There's something to that rhythm that allows us to, to come together, be in proximity to one another, pray for one another, and, and see God's uh, transformation at hand and at work. Um, so I, 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 I used to downplay Sunday services at one point to our own detriment. You know, everybody wants to be like, let's, let's be church. Let's not do church, right? <laughs> right, right. So now I'm like, no, let's do church too. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and and you know let's 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 reconcile that because mm. we actually need both. We need mm-hmm. ritual. We need um, ritual spaces. We need liminal spaces where mm. uh, we're 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 in these spaces where we uh, develop a collective memory mm. and and also um, a testimony for what God is doing right now. Mm. I love that. It's <laughs> really good. Um, I'm. I think the last one you, you uh, mentioned one of the categories is uh, staying put. And we've talked a little bit about that and kind of slowing down. And I'm, I'm just curious, we think a lot about, we're very outcome oriented um, as a people in general, um, as people in ministry, um, we count heads and we count offerings and we count, you know, campuses and whatever else. But I'm just wondering what is possible when you stay put that is impossible when you don't stay put um this is it's a different kind of outcome right i mean it it may you may not measure it the same way but i'm just wondering some vision casting for people you know what does staying put make possible wow yeah so staying put uh means that uh, places as much as people, uh, as much as God's kind of like presence, right? As we, we say, palpable presence, places as much as all that uh, can have a real hand in shaping mm. us. Mm. So mm. I'll give you something concrete to kind of run with with that. Mm. Uh, for the first uh, seven to eight years of our um, church ministry here in East Harlem, we were uh, on the west side of the uh, tracks from Park Avenue. So once you cross the tracks, literally, it's, it's, it's somewhat of a different East Harlem. So I'm in more of a gentrifying, well, gentrification is happening everywhere, but um, the uh, east of the tracks tends to uh, just be a little bit more, quote unquote, grittier. Um, you know, there's just a lot more struggle there. And when I began connecting with a, an old pal of mine, um, Julio Medina, who was locked up for uh, 12 years in Sing Sing Correctional Facility, uh, came out, started this program for, for the formerly incarcerated, uh, and just been doing wonderful work. I mean, went from uh, a $10,000 budget to like a $4 million budget, where he now hires 85% of folks who are formerly in- incarcerated. Like, mm-hmm. that's a 
Wow. That right there, I can just leave that. That's a gem. Mm. So I, I, I was at a point where I was, I was exploring more bivocational work because I felt like, um, you know, number one, it's good to have different income streams. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and two, the, you know, I was looking to, to get tap into that root system that I had mentioned earlier. Mm. Um, and if you think about what Exodus represents, it's a, a criminal justice uh, root system. Mm. Long story short, you know, I, I have a social work background. Um, I'm from the hood. Um, I'm hanging with these folks, and I, I think somehow, some way, you know, uh, yeah, I, I know their stories. Anyway, I, I came in as a consultant, uh, and I sat down. Uh, they were a staff of 25 at the time, and I heard every story, every story, and something just crazy and powerful happened. Uh, number one, uh, my short-sighted stories about criminal justice were automatically were automatically debunking. I thought, you know, listening to these folks, it would just be another glorified hood tale. Mm. I heard 25 distinct stories about God's goodness in all of their lives and above, and, and with that, uh, stories of, of resilience, not, mm. oh, wow, you know, you've had a hard life. Oh, wow, you know, the system is unjust, which it is. Oh, wow, you know, some folks did the time that they would say to themselves they needed to do. But what I heard was the power of resilience. Mm. And and it made me even realize my own, in many ways, uh, biases, my own privileges, and, and recognizing that in some ways I had been blind to a certain pocket and segment of my own neighborhood and community. And being there now, giving you the, the short story, I went, I went, um, I've been there five years. Um, I went from being consultant to now becoming, you know, the unofficial chaplain that people go to, um, you know, and our church is, is currently looking to, uh, rent a permanent space within their nonprofit, mm. which could be uh, uh, just a, a powerful partnership. And, and I don't know what it means for them. I don't know what it means for our church. Uh, once again, walking by faith, this is where God has us right now. Yeah. Uh, but to your question, Brandon, um, had I not been in the community all of this time, had I not reached out to Fluvio, uh, I, I wouldn't have been transformed in the way that I am right now and my eyes would not be open to this, I found another piece of myself that I had left behind somehow mm. in, in mm. the hood uh, on, on the climb uh, through education and, and quote-unquote middle-class status that mm. um, yeah. you know, we're all trying to achieve here. So that's, uh, that's my story, and, mm. and I think that that's the power of proximity. That's mm. the power of, of staying put in the place and allowing God to do God's work. That's so beautiful. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you. Well, as we conclude, Jose, just because we believe that, you know, life is more and our faith is more than all the big ideas that we've chatted about, I do love to ask all my guests about their laundry routine. So tell us your laundry routine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, when, when we see our son uh, recycling his T-shirts and his underwear, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's when we know uh, it, it, it's it's time to get in there. And uh, so I, I don't know, maybe uh, every you know, it's only three of us, but somehow it all piles up. So we, yeah. we try to keep it at a rhythm of, of once a week. And my goodness, uh, if if there was a a task of spiritual formation, it's mm -hmm. uh, folding folding clothes after the fact. 
<laughs> need to really practice uh, just uh, a new degree of mindfulness. At mm. it. <laughs> if I could good. outsource it, <laughs> you would. I would. <laughs> oh well, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure and gift to have this conversation. Thank you for your time and energy and good thoughtfulness and just the the power of presence, not only of God but of stay put in your place. It's a beautiful story. Thank you so much, Ashley, Brandon, for having me. Uh, it's a great time. Yeah, thank you. All right, bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with my special guests, Jose Humphreys and Brandon J. O'Brien. It's been a really fun mini-series on place this November. And if you've missed any episodes, make sure you go back. Last week, we chatted with Danae Pierre in Phoenix. And the week before, Brandon J. O'Brien and I chatted about place and kicked us off. And I want us to think about one small step where we can begin to connect the dots between the things that really matter in our everyday holy lives. And this comes directly from our conversation with Jose. And as you think about the value and the pain of staying put in your place, I want to simply leave you with one question. And it's this, where are the tender places in your own life, your own schedule, your budget, your desires about staying put? What are the tender places in your life where staying put feels maybe a little achy. Maybe it feels tender and you're a little bit afraid of getting hurt if you stay put. Or maybe it feels tender because you're excited about what could happen in your place as you stay committed and rooted. So just take a few minutes, think through and write down what are a few tender places places in your own life that you notice when you start to think about this idea of staying put. Feel free to share them by tagging me, Ashley, at AA Hales on social media. Use the hashtag Finding Holy Podcast. We would love to begin to support and in- encourage a rooted community here at the Finding Holy Podcast. So don't forget to share this episode if you found something helpful. Go ahead, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We would love it if you could rate and review the Finding Holy podcast because it helps more people join the conversation. And I don't want you to forget, we are giving away hundreds of books, you guys. It's such a special November here. We want to say thank you to you. So head on over right now to aahales.com slash giveaway. That's aahales.com slash giveaway. There's a link in your show notes. You can fill out information so you can win a free book that will help you take the next step into loving your place, your life, and your God. So thanks for being with us. Make sure you subscribe and share. It helps other people find the Finding Holy podcast so we can all practice connecting the dots between the things that really matter and your everyday holy life. Because big things matter, but so does the laundry.
This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast. Two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman, discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.